The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, put up your dukes and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Jeff Maciolik, here to announce show number 188 with guests Mary Jo Foley and Daryl Taft, recorded live Friday, August 4th, 2006. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering a whole suite of on-site and remote classes in .NET 2.0 technologies. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who's only 53 minutes away from a killer margarita, Carl Franklin! Thank you very much, and welcome to a very special edition of .NET Rocks. My co-host in uh, British Columbia has gotten up early in the morning for this one. Hi, Richard. Hey, man. I'm 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 awake. I'm showered and teed and good to go. All right. It's like seven thirty or eight o'clock in the morning there, and it's so early because uh, we have two very special guests in the studio who came up to New London from the Big Apple today. Mary Jo Foley and Daryl Taft. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you? Hello. Hey, Daryl. Hey, Mary Jo. And uh, these guys need no introduction except to say they're, uh, if you just Google them, you'll find a plethora of information on the articles that they write for eWeek and, of course, Microsoft Watch. We don't have any email. We're going to get right to it. This is a uh, showdown show. Right, Richard? Absolutely. Right, guys? Right. Right. <laughs> right. All right. So we're, we've got a series of topics here that we're just going to throw out and... Uh, let you to discuss. And these topics are on everybody's mind these days, starting with Microsoft's legal troubles here, there, and everywhere. Mary Jo, what's up with that? Well, I think it's kind of like the chickens coming home to roost with Microsoft lately. It's like all the things they've done in the past are catching up with them. And uh, a lot of different countries aren't really putting up with the behaviors that they've typically used to get ahead in the market. Yeah, uh, the behaviors. What what behaviors are we talking about? Um, I I guess I when I think of what they've done in the past, I I think of things like you know having companies come in and show them their business plans and show off a product, and the next thing you know, Microsoft's making the product. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, some of them have been have been uh, issues with the DOJ. Some have been issues with the EC and some, uh, you know, definitely there. It's been an, a case where competitors have brought action against Microsoft and in some cases just because they were inept competitors. But I think they've also had points to make. And I know uh, a lot of uh, .NET backers and Microsoft regional directors won't agree with that. But I think I think it's a time when Microsoft really has to take more responsibility for its behavior and kind of start playing fair. Yeah. Now, as far as playing fair goes, what uh, what specific things can you cite? I mean, we were talking about the EU lawsuit and all that stuff, but what what other things, what other lawsuits or legal actions that have uh, come up recently are we talking about? And, and are these exclusive to Microsoft? Um, I don't know if they're exclusive to Microsoft or not, but uh, one I'm thinking of is in Japan, the uh, FTC case there where they're looking at whether Microsoft should be able to bundle things, other not just Internet Explorer, but things like Messenger and, and uh, some other components or whether those are really part of the operating system or not. So I think this issue keeps coming to haunt Microsoft and it's really not going to go away as they continue to bundle more and more things into the operating system. Now, I should I should say from the outset, from users I've talked to, they want things bundled into the operating system. So it's not a case of this is hurting consumers, and I never believe that. But it's more a case of are people really going to use software if it's not bundled into the operating system? I know the argument is if it's superior software, people will still download it or buy it and put it on their machines. But I don't think the actual um, way people operate bears that out. Uh, Daryl Taft. How you doing, Daryl? Oh, I'm good. Do you have uh, what do you have to say about that? Well, I have a bit to say on it. I think, as you said, these things happened in the past mostly, and the past is past. I uh, tend to disagree a bit with Mary Jo in that I think the majority of the lawsuits that came against Microsoft were from uh, sour grapes, bitter competitors that couldn't compete in the market, so they went after the company that they knew had big pockets. I, I mean, I, I agree. A lot of these suits have been brought by competitors like um, Sun Microsystems is a perfect example. I mean, these guys were kind of on the downslide. And so they bring a lawsuit and they get billions of dollars out of Microsoft. Yeah, that's that is what happened. But there are legitimate cases where there are smaller businesses, ISVs, um, even resellers sometimes who have products and services that Microsoft's basically cutting out from under them after saying they wanted to be their partner. Hmm. Your point, Mary Jo, about uh, what what consumers actually want is is a good point uh, against the argument of well, not against the argument, but it's a good point in favor of Microsoft if you think about it. Because haven't they done this in the past? They've allowed ISVs to configure um, PCs, for example, with with things other than Office and, you know, as far as the, the 12 tenants that we'll get to next, this is one of their things. And, uh, you know, or different browsers or different media players, but people want the, the standard stuff, don't they? I think people want whatever's easiest. Um, like if, if you say to somebody like my mom, you know, do you want to put, do you want to download Real Player and put that on your machine? She, yeah. she doesn't. <laughs> right. So you think people would rather have, uh, real player as their default or QuickTime as their default media player, if it's the default media player. Yeah, I do. Daryl? Perfect example of one of the companies I was talking about. Uh, real Networks, Sour Grapes. Yeah, how so? Um, I can't even remember the guy's name. Sorry, I'm blanking on it. But the, the CEO there, former Microsofty. Rob Glazer. Mm-hmm. 
sort of kicked out the door, wants to do anything he can to get back at Bill. Is that a fair uh, assumption, Mary Jo, that uh, since they're the biggest guys with the biggest pockets, they're of the obvious target for lawsuits? Oh, definitely. I mean, if, you, if you're a business these days and you're running out of money, what's your number one strategy? Sue Microsoft. And maybe they'll settle with you. Maybe you'll win something. Yeah. Well, the thing that I find frustrating about the real networks thing and even the browser thing is we were talking about products that don't make any money directly. You know, nobody wants the spyware that is real media, that constant pinging and sending uh, messages and things that that a real player does. And, you know, the biggest advantage I see of Media Center or the, uh, of the, uh, the, the media software that comes with Windows is it, it only plays media. It doesn't do anything else. You know, that's all I'd really want from a media player. Why this squabble over products that don't actually make money? Amen. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't think we should be talking about products that un- unknowingly ping people if we're going to not talk about Windows Genuine Advantage. Now, you know what? I got to <laughs> go with you on this, Mary Jo, because th- I see that as the next legal trouble for Microsoft. This totally. Is, this, is a, this is a mistake I think they've made. The, I understand, you know, Bill's been at the forefront of the piracy issue since day one. He originated the piracy issue because he's one of the first people to ever charge for software. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing, I think, they, you know, their ultimate manifestation of that. And I think they've gone too far. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't like that with any any software, Microsoft or anybody else. I mean, how viral is uh, is QuickTime? You know, you install iTunes so that you can get get tunes onto your iPod, and QuickTime is installed, and it gets its hooks in there and uh, becomes the default MP3 player. So that when you want to download an MP3 file, you click in the browser. Oh no, you go to a, another page where QuickTime is loading and running. Oh, and if it's a video and you want to see a full screen, you got to pay for that, and uh, what do you think of that? Um, I don't really have a lot of opinions on it. Yeah. 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 Daryl? Yeah, same. Yeah. We kind of ignore QuickTime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes, QuickTime, Apple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, no, I mean, it's a good product. iTunes is a good product. And it's one of, the, it, it, you know, it's the biggest portal for podcasts. So that's the way most people are discovering podcasts. Obviously, we, we're, you know, concerned about that. All right, let's move on to the 12 tenants guaranteeing the post-2007 behavior with partners that Microsoft has recently published on the web. They've made, you know, 12 promises about how, you know, things that they plan to do. Some of them are just old promises and some, some are pretty interesting. Mary Jo, you've written, uh, you've written about this in your column. What's, uh, summarize this for us. Um, to me, I don't really think almost anything on that list is new. And I I felt when Microsoft first presented this a couple weeks ago that it was almost disingenuous on their part that they were saying, like, we're so magnanimous, we're going to do all these behaviors out of the goodness of our heart. But in fact, there I mean, most of those behaviors are required by the Department of Justice right now, which Microsoft will admit. Um, and they're saying we're going to continue this uh, self-policing after 2007. Well, of course they are. Otherwise, they're going to get sued again. Sure. So I, I just feel totally like, you know, they're acting like, oh, OEMs, we're trying to help you. We're being your friends now. And the OEMs I talk to say they're still the same snakes in the grass they've always been. So it's it's mostly spin. But what about the if you look at the, the tenants themselves on the value, whether they're old, whether they're new, are they, uh, you know, are they good for consumers? Definitely good for consumers. I mean, it's Microsoft saying we're going to level the playing field and 
by leveling the playing field, there are going to be more hardware partners who can compete, thus lower prices, better offerings in hardware and software. So there's, it's all goodness for sure. Daryl, you got a comment on that? I do. I, I, I agree sort of with Mary Jo on this, but I think it's an issue of, you know, time will tell. Uh, these things have been in effect for a few years already. As she said, they're mostly things that the DOJ had already uh, hammered out with Microsoft. I think um, Brad Smith, the chief counsel, said eight of the uh, 12 tenants were directly from the, the consent decree. But still, I mean, announcing that they're going to do them, that they're going to continue with them, I think is a good thing. Yeah. Does it reassure ISVs and consumers that, uh, you know, that this is this is what they're going to continue to do? Or is it just chest beating? I also wonder if this is not a message to the employees. It's like, look, we're really serious about these things. We're announcing it to the world. You better follow them, too. What about the thing that I mentioned before about uh, PC uh, manufacturers bundling different things and turning off different things? This is this is new. I mean, this is something that you mentioned in your blog, Mary Jo, which, uh, you know, now Dell will be able to go to Microsoft, for example, and say, okay, we want to offer a PC that has, you know, real media, blah, 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 instead of this and, and turn off this feature and that feature. Um, what's what's going to be the benefit of that, if any? Well, I, th- I think that one's probably the most interesting of the 12. But, you know, if you look at the deal Dell recently did with Google, where they're going to be bundling, um, I think it's the Google search toolbar with, right. with a number of the um, new laptops that are going out. That wasn't done for free. Dell paid Google to do that deal, which is kind of like a dirty little secret. And mm. Microsoft has even come out publicly and said, yeah, they asked us to pay them and we said no. So hmm. so I, I think, you know, it's a tenant. That's true. But and the bottom line is there's still going to be all these deals going on. But, you know, who's going to get to bundle search? Who's going to get to bundle live services? And it's going to be interesting to see if people are willing to pony up the money to get their stuff preloaded, because it's not just going to be, oh, let's shut off. Let's shut off uh, Windows Media Player. I think it's going to be a tit for tat and a lot of business deals going on around that. Does anybody really care when they buy, you know, when, uh, you know, some big corporation buys a thousand PCs or something like that and they go to Dell, do they, do they really sit down and say, okay, we want media player or real networks or Google search toolbar or MSN toolbar? Do they really do that stuff? I think it's more um, an issue in the retail channel. Yeah. In the corporate yeah. environment, they're putting their own images on the machines anyway. They yeah. want their machines bare. Because they want them, they want to configure them exactly the way they want to configure them. That's a good point. I think the retail channel is the big issue, and you know that's something that worries me. If you're going to pull a media player out of Windows in a configuration, you're going to mess up a lot of consumers who are expecting it to be there. But are they? And that's the question. You know, the people that I know that buy the masses that buy computers, they don't know what they're getting. They don't know what to buy. They just go to Staples and they say, I want a computer. I get 800 bucks. And, you know, they get whatever's there for the money, don't they? Yeah, I think they do. Um, But to Richard's point, I think, um, you know, when Microsoft pulled Media Player out of the version of Windows XPN that they sell in the EU, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when they sure. first pulled it out, it broke a ton of things. Mm. Like they were like they pulled out like 300 APIs or something as part of it. I forget what the exact total was on that, but then they everybody was 
crying out because it broke a lot of stuff. Well, yeah, it did. Mm. And, and you know, Microsoft kind of knew that was going to happen. I feel like it was kind of them thumbing their nose yet again at the EC um, and saying, yeah, watch what happens when we do what you want. Daryl? Well, that's just what they did. Uh, same as in the DOJ trial. They were told to do a specific thing. They did it. Things broke and everybody got mad. But their response was, this is what you asked us to do. Mm-hmm. Was that, did they do the right thing? Did they, should they have taken out the APIs and, and or shouldn't they have? Well, they did what they were told. So they, <laughs> so they were told to remove not only the media player, but all the APIs, the low level stuff. So people who are programming against it wouldn't, uh, they were told to do that too? No, they weren't told to do that. Bullshit. It could be, it could be, uh, interpreted that way you know what if they hadn't pulled the apis what if they just taken the ui off which wouldn't have broken things but i'm sure you would have had people screaming hey they didn't actually remove media player look i can put it back true that that would have happened definitely i do think it's a no-win situation for microsoft when governments start to legislate how windows should work right because if you're microsoft they're naturally going to want to try to pull out everything right i mean wouldn't they let <laughs> wouldn't they let the opposition argue them argue them them into the uh agreement that they should take the apis out so it will break and people and when they will have that reaction i mean it's it's a tactic isn't it it is indeed yeah and it does get into the whole legalese game which is uh, not a constructive game when it comes to software right, right. All right, we all agree on that. Okay, good. <laughs> we what all agree. That? <laughs> yeah. So much for the debate. <laughs> all right, well, how about Microsoft's overall corporate image and how it's changing? That, this, to me, is a really interesting question because, I don't know, it, it's almost like they've gone from the company that, that uh, dominated everything, the 800-pound gorilla, to the underdog almost lately. I mean, it's it's just been astounding to me to see everybody like kind of piling on Microsoft and going, yeah, they're not as good as Google. They're not as good as this and that. I mean, it's it's like they're in constant defensive mode now instead of of offensive mode, which is such a difference for them. It sort of reflects how they go about uh, new products, isn't it? I mean, didn't they don't companies innovate by finding people within the company that are doing interesting projects and having the vision to say, oh, if we put some resources behind this, this could be big and unique and we'd own it, rather than, you know, finding what, what all, the, all the other companies in the world are making billions of dollars at and saying, oh, we got to do that too. Is there anything to that? Yeah. Daryl? Yeah, there's plenty to that. Um, I agree the image has changed a lot, uh, but... You know, I still have to put my bets on Microsoft. I was there just this past week and looked at some of the things coming out of research. Well, I don't know that they're coming out, but mm-hmm. they're working on so many interesting things that, you know, they're never going to be down. Yeah. And uh, you could say what I said about, uh, you know, search and about, you know, those things with Google. But um there are a lot of obvious obvious innovations that have come out of Microsoft. Look at the you know the .NET framework is sort of Java plus plus if you think about it that way. But but hey, I mean they did a lot. They did four years of research into Java. They figured out what was different. Uh, you know what they could do better, right? And and they innovated. Um, certainly, the expression uh, suite that's coming up is is quite innovative. And uh, as Daryl said, there's a lot of things that we can't talk about that are innovative. I was talking to Robert Scoble about this, and this will be uh, published in an upcoming show uh, about, you know, what has he got to say to Microsoft? And, and he basically had that same opinion, which is that 
You know, they got to get out of this looking around on the outside and seeing what's rising to the top and trying to play catch up. And they got to go inside and and find the gems and, and, and bring them out. There is an interesting problem that you get with a big company, and that is that if it isn't a billion-dollar idea, it's not worth it to the shareholders to pursue it. I don't think it's a smart protocol, but it certainly reflects, I think, the way Microsoft's been behaving lately. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. How about uh, how about all the uh, the brain drain, the people, the mass exodus, if you will, of uh, employees that Google and other companies are sucking up from Microsoft? Does anybody still want to work there? Yeah, I think people totally want to work there. I think anybody in software that has a really good idea and wants to have an impact still wants to work at Microsoft. Um, you mentioned expression. I met with Forrest Key, one of the guys that's leading up that that effort. That's the reason he came. He came from uh, George Lucas's company, the whatever it's called, Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said he he'd also done some tools on his own, but when he got the chance to come to Microsoft and saw what their plans were with Expression, he jumped on it. Yeah. And that's just one of many. I met with Anders Heilsberg from Borland, who is like a god at Microsoft. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. Right. He was instrumental in the design of uh, .NET. Mary Jo? Um, I, I think there are still a lot of interesting people going to work at Microsoft, but I really think it's lost its luster. I mean, I remember when I first started covering Microsoft, like over a decade ago, like so many people would email me and say, can you get me a job at Microsoft? Do you know who I can ask about a job at Microsoft? And now when I talk to like a lot of the, you know, kind of up and coming kids and programming and not kids, but <laughs> I guess compared to me, they're the kids. youngsters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dating myself. Um, I, they are much more interested in like Google and, and kind of like Yahoo and, and they, I don't hear anybody going, Oh, I want to work at Microsoft. Like a lot of people don't want to move to Seattle. A lot of people feel like they're lower paying than a lot of other companies are, um, compared, especially to companies in the Valley still. And, um, it's, I think they've got kind of an uphill battle on the recruiting side, even though they did just hire 10,000 new people last year. Although mm-hmm. who knows where those people are working? I'm not, I'm really not sure. Hmm. I think everybody has an uphill battle on recruiting. I think there's just a finite number of people who are capable of doing the kinds of stuff that Microsoft and Google and others do. I mean, that's why they're going to China and India and and doing research programs and funding universities there. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much of Microsoft's troubles with recruiting and with losing talent have to do with their option price being underwater. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because in the end, the software industry, the high-tech industry as a whole, makes its money, feeds its employees on the back of its share price. Yep. And since the dot-com bust, that just hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I would compare it right now. In journalism, the, the equivalent I would look at it is, do you want to be a print reporter or do you want to be an online reporter? Like, There's so much more cachet and cool factor to being an online reporter now than a print reporter. And I kind of feel like, do you want to work at Microsoft or do you want to work at Google? Like, even if you do almost the exact same job, I feel like people would say Google there. Hey, they right. have their own chefs and all this stuff. I mean, just dumb reasons, but still, like, they've got the buzz now and Microsoft doesn't. Well, Microsoft has a lot of legacy, too, to carry on. And those are some of the more boring products that young people might not want to work on. But they've mm. also got some sexy things, too. Yeah, 
like? Well, like expression, like uh, the MSN team, like this whole new live services stuff. Um, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you on the live stuff. There, uh, to me, on the live stuff, they're in like complete Google emulation and catch up mode. I really would not want to work on that team right now, I, even though that's like the team they're holding out as like this is Ray Ozzy's big pet project and all that. I mean, right now they have they haven't done a whole lot that's innovative. Dale, are you going to sit there and take that? Well, I can't take it, but I have to admit she's right. They haven't shown me anything yet either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sad part about the live team, they have so much stuff, I believe, like behind the curtain. But it's so typical Microsoft's. Instead of being the Google hype masters and throwing out all this stuff that doesn't even exist, but like hyping up, you know, mm. hey, oh, we have this service coming in that, which Google knows how to leak like no other uh, right. Microsoft's just hiding all this stuff behind the curtain and like waiting for Google to announce it. And then they announce their counter strike. I yeah. mean, what's that? You know? Yeah. It's definitely not leading. I think the reason we like expressions and even Vista, although I hesitate to say it, is that I think they're actually original thinking going on in there. The new UI paradigms and the new ways of building applications is something Microsoft's genuinely good at and genuinely leading the market in. And, you know, the other the problem they have is just being such a big company. Everything has to be named the Microsoft blah 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 which nobody cares about names like that. You know, whereas a name like Google or Foosbane or whatever it is, you know, it's just <laughs> more fun to say. Exactly. And, and, and it's more viral. Uh, so, But they have the problem that we've run up against, you know, when we talk to people at Microsoft, Richard and I, that, you know, they can't just take names because somebody out there has got a trademark or something like that, and they're big enough to sue. So so everything has to have Microsoft in it, you know. Yeah. Zune, yeah. Zune was the most interesting thing they've done name-wise in a while. That's true. Surprisingly. Maybe, you know, they ought to apply the Zune principle to some <laughs> other things. Well, I like the Atlas name, although it's just a code name. I'm sure when the product comes out, it's going to be something really boring. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Avalon to Windows Presentation Foundation. They really got to do something about that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Windows X Foundation names are the worst. They are. They are. Mm-hmm. Communication Foundation Presentation Nation Nation <laughs> Bration Creation. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, open source. Gaining or losing traction? I say it's gaining traction, um, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know why you're saying it, or you don't know why it's gaining? <laughs> okay. This is funny, because I this is one where you would think I would be like, oh, of course, open source is going to kick Microsoft's butt, and Daryl would be like, no. But I I think this is one where we almost are reversing our typical this is interesting. Uh, feels. I feel like open source is losing a little traction against Microsoft, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of sad to see that because they sure need somebody to kind of prod them, and I kind of thought the open source community would do that. Um, but, you know, the... What Microsoft's really good at is when they're losing somewhere, they go out, they do a full analysis of the market. They're like, okay, exactly where are we losing in this Mm. market? Then they pinpoint those areas and they go after them. So they saw they were losing in the server space against open source. They don't even care about the desktop. That's Mm. like just a a distraction, you know? And it's a given almost. It is. It is. So in the server, then they go and they see, oh, we're losing in web servers. Okay, let's target that market. Let's make Windows better for web serving. And that's yeah. what they're doing. And I think the market's responding. It's, and, you know, the ASP.NET's pretty damn awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's like, 
they're they're very good at that. I'll give them that. They they really know how to like see where their weak spots are and fix them. So Daryl, is it just an observation that you think it's gaining ground, or do you have faith that it has potential to overcome uh, well, Microsoft's well, ambition? I I always judge um, a lot of my theories on how many responses I get and mm-hmm. and clicks to stories that I write. And when I write an open source developer tool story or you know a new innovation in open source i get tons of attention so hmm. in, in my mind it, it's it's gaining i i just have sort of an issue with the whole open source um process because i equate it with being a writer a journalist i don't want right. to write for free you know this evan whatever his name is i've seen him get up <laughs> and say all software should be free yeah. You know, why shouldn't all legal services be free? Right. You know, why shouldn't gasoline be free? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I I don't know the tools market anywhere near as well as Daryl does, but uh, it could be a case where you know PHP and Perl and the, those things are gaining traction um, versus Microsoft tools. I don't know, but think about this. Think about Slashdot, right? The most widely read website probably in the world. I would imagine, besides Google, but nobody reads Google. But anyway, people read Slashdot, and Slashdot has a definite anti-Microsoft bent to it. So there's a lot of open source and other platforms and non-Microsoft people reading Slashdot. Um, How many of them spend money on software? You know, how many of the mass of people who use software or who use the web and, and surf around are actually going to fork over a couple grand for a, uh, a back-end server or, you know, an exchange license or something like that. Does that have anything to do with it? You think that there may be more people out there interested in open source but less money ponying up to, you know, and, and maybe that's perhaps why they're interested in open source in the first place? Could be. Um, also, I think I think you're right. Like, anything but Microsoft really gave the open source community a lot of impetus and... Um, they're, they are a real community, you know, they, like not just on Slashdot, but in other places, too. I mean, these mm. these are people who really share ideals and ideas. And Microsoft's from, been trying to figure out how to bottle that same energy, I think, you know, with all the things they've been doing with MSDN and um, the community sites and community forums. But they, there's, it's just not as fun to be part of a community supporting Microsoft, you know, because they're the leader as yeah. it is to be in a community supporting uprooting Microsoft. Way more fun to be in that community. Well, sure, yeah. Then I think about guys like Scott Hanselman and Das Blog, which is totally an open source project with a great community around it, but it's completely .NET. Sure. So I'm part of me, this whole debate... I wonder if it's the same, you know, this is an apples versus oranges thing. You know, open source versus Microsoft platform. I mean, we, open source is a methodology of distributing, developing software. And you can do it on any platform you want. Well, we've heard from Microsoft people that uh, Microsoft isn't anti-open source. They're anti-GPL, which is just one little segment of, uh, you know, the new public license, which is a very restrictive license, meaning that any software that you publish under that license has to be free, and anything that goes into it, and anybody who modifies it, those things also have to be free and open. And it's um, not just Microsoft that doesn't like the GPL. Right. Yeah. I, I, well, I think Microsoft's public statement these days is they don't like the GPL, but they don't like a lot of other things about open source. And yeah, um, they don't like anything that takes money away from no, them, basically. No, and you can't blame them. No, you can't. <laughs> um, I, I, what they have done, though, which is is 
admirable, I'd say, is they've emulated to some extent a little bit of the open source process with the CTP process. And I, I think they even admit that, yeah, we took a page out of the open source book on that, which is cool. Define CTP for us. Uh, the community technology preview where they're issuing more frequent test builds and not always just waiting for these giant betas to drop all the time. Yeah. And is that more of a matter of being agile, um, which they've, you know, the agile process is taking hold inside Microsoft? Yeah, definitely part of that. I think they saw like how quickly um, companies in open source space were revving their products, putting out uh, patches and updates, and Mm -hmm. it was taking them years to do a new service pack for something. And they were like, "Ooh, we got to fix this. I I also wonder how much the CTP thing has to do with the scobalization the the the, <laughs> the the blogging sort of showing the innards of Microsoft to the world and building these little builds along the way that can afford to be bad. You know, if you're shipping a beta every four months, it better be good. But if you're pushing out a CTP every month, there can be some turkeys along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's also had benefit for at least the developer division. They tell me that you know the, the feedback they get from the CTPs has uh, really been dramatic and and changing some of the direction that they've gone. I'm going to ask you to hold that thought while we just take a moment to remind the listeners that uh, .NET Rocks is supported by sponsors and advertisers. It's the only way that we can bring this show to you every week. And one of those advertisers is Data Dynamics. They make a product called ActiveReports.net and lots of other great products. Uh, Simple, effective, powerful reporting, very easy. Drop the reports onto your forms and ship them with your product. And uh, they're online at www.datadynamics.com. All right, we're back with Mary Jo Foley, Daryl Taft. Of course, Richard and I were talking all about uh, Microsoft, of course. And uh, the next question, the next issue I'd like to throw out about is about Ray Ozzie. Is Ray Ozzie the optimal successor to Bill as chief software architect? Daryl, what do you think? Um, this is a hard one. I mean, right off the bat, of course not. Who who could replace Bill Gates? <laughs> I mean, it, it's his company. He built it. He knows where he wants to take it. Yeah. Um. I, I you know that said, Ozzy is a brilliant mind. I've I've sat and interviewed him and been awed by him. Mm-hmm. But you know, you got to go with what you see first. And his first thing out of the box, my first uh, interaction with him as chief software architect, uh, I did not really understand a word he said (laughs) (laughs) and that's not a good sign (laughs) he may be brilliant but he has the curse of the geek maybe you know i don't even know if it's the curse of the geek or the curse of web 2.0 ah ooh, yeah i I like the line every time you say web 2.0 a startup dies somewhere Yeah, I I don't know. Like anybody who just keeps throwing all these long tails and, you know, blogosphere and this and that into stuff. I know it's trendy and I know people think it's the next big thing, but you got to have some there there. It can't just be all this fluff. Mm -hmm. And I I think Ozzy also, I like Daryl, I think he's really brilliant. 
Um, I think he's really, really different than Gates. Um, I wonder if he's got the kahunas to kind of do some of the stuff Gates has done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe you don't need that. Maybe Steve Ballmer is the junkyard dog, right? And hmm. Ray Ozzy can be the nice guy. I don't know. Um, well, Steve definitely is a junkyard dog. <laughs> yeah. Developers, 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 yeah. developers, developers. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's about the nicest message he's had in the past couple of years. <laughs> I mean, the, the the thing about Ozzy though is he's a proven uh, producer. He, like Gates and who um, maybe one other guy that's done stuff that you know is a category opener changer. Philippe Kahn. Ozzy right. did build a product in notes that you know was pretty revolutionary yeah and for a time owned its market right mm-hmm. yeah i'm still surprised that they didn't promote from within where are the eric rudders and uh, the Murchies in this mm-hmm. i mean i'm kind of shocked that they went outside do you see anybody else daryl or, or mary joe inside microsoft that uh that you think maybe they should give some should have given some consideration to or should well, we're hearing that Eric Rudder is still in the running for something pretty major, but mm-hmm. uh, we we were cut off from him anymore. We can't talk to him. Yeah, I'm not sure what he does anymore. I know, I know, he does have a job there, and he's still working directly with Bill and all that. But I'm I'm mm-hmm. not sure what it is. He's not a public face as much as he was. Mm. Um, you know who I really have a lot of respect for at Microsoft, and I've always wondered if it's just he doesn't want to do more, or he just is kind of. Um, kind of on the sideline is um Paul Flesner. Mm-hmm. Um who run who ran for a while the Windows Server and Tool business and now is doing back to doing SQL Server again. I I think that guy really has a lot of skills that you want for somebody to be the CEO. Yeah. Good point. Um Microsoft's foremost competitor in the next year or two, who's it going to be and why? Mary Jo? It is not going to be Google. Wow. Nice statement. Hmm. Um, no not way. Not that I disagree with you. No way it is not. And everybody's watching Google and saying it's Google, but it's not. I mean, a, such a small piece of Microsoft's business competes with Google, but they're so distracted by them. I just, right. I just am like kind of surprised about that. Um, I think in the next year or two, it's still going to be IBM, who's their foremost competitor, who is currently their foremost competitor. And oh, we're, ta- we're obviously talking about in the enterprise. In the enterprise, mm. yeah. That's yeah. where the money is, right? Yeah. It is. Although, you know, Microsoft's becoming more and more of a consumer company as of late. I mean, they're really I mean, Xbox, Zune, all this stuff. Yeah. Do you think they're going to uh, going to do it? I mean, it, break into that market in a bigger way? Um, I think if you look at Xbox, it shows they can kind of come from behind and surprise everybody. But they lost money on that. I mean, they, yeah. they're losing money when they get into that market. Why are they still doing it? Because they're gaining market share. Yeah. And, um, they're, and they're selling games, yep, I guess. They're selling games. They're willing to wait. Um, Sony's making some really bad moves, and uh, they're capitalizing on it. Yeah, the Xbox 360 does seem to be dominating the market. Yeah, it if is they awesome. Can get the game count <laughs> up. I think they got a product. Yeah. We have one here, and uh, it is pretty awesome. I got to admit. Mm. Daryl, you play? I don't. My son does. Yeah. What do you think of this whole consumer market for Microsoft? Well, as a fan. I think it's great. I think Microsoft should sell everything, even groceries. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Microsoft Shopping. <laughs> 
What would you like to eat today? <laughs> he would be oh, he would be their biggest right. customer. He'd be oh, buying no, everything. I don't know. <laughs> he and I might have to uh, compete on that one. <laughs> but what what do you think is the foremost competitor then, Daryl? I agree with my, Mary Jo. I am really um, amazed at this fascination with Google. All of a sudden, I mean, I, I know that you know they're the hot company and and they're drawing all the eyeballs, but I, I think it's a distraction. I think. Um, IBM definitely is their competitor. And yeah, in the enterprise, but that's what I cover. Yeah. Um, IBM with their services arm, they're a behemoth. Now, some people would say that search is the most important place to advertise. And, you know, this is where Google is making their bazillions of dollars is in, in their ads based on their search engine. So if you have a good search, you can, you know, you can, you can do the ad thing. I think that may be why they're so distracted by Google, don't you think? Yeah, but if you look again at where they're making their money, Microsoft, it's in operating systems and office. Right. And I know people are saying the market's going to change and we're going to go to more advertising based and free and all that. But I mean, if Microsoft plays its cards right and doesn't just like tear all its big brains out of Windows and stuff them into Windows Live, which seems like what they're doing lately. Um, I think they they really can think of a way to keep their monopoly in Windows and keep it strong. Well, you know, the first ad that pops up in Word, I'm I'm out. I'm going to Unix. <laughs> I'm getting a Mac. <laughs> now, the interesting thing, of course, about IBM being the main competitor is IBM's support of Linux and open source. Mm. Yep. Yeah. What do you What do you mean by that, mm, Daryl? No, he's right. I, I I had not thought that. Huh. Well, and it, it comes back to it being a services company. We're going to give away the software, and we're going to sell you the people to make it work. Right. Mm. Mm. So we're actually going to have support for open source software? You think this is a, a good place to <laughs> look for revenue? <laughs> I've had the experience uh, of working with a fair bit of DB2, and let me tell you, it is pretty darn hard to make anything happen in DB2 that doesn't have an IBM lab coat nearby. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the business model for them. What, what They should be just using SQL Server, then they wouldn't need a lab coat nearby. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, that was a joke, guys. <laughs> you can laugh at that. That's Okay. <laughs> All right, what about .NET? Has .NET really won the war versus Java? Has Microsoft has asserted uh, recently at its financial analyst meeting? Is, is, is the battle over? I don't think the battle is over, no. But um, according to some independent studies, .NET is, has overtaken J2EE. And um, it, it's still pretty tight, though. I, I don't think it's... J2EE is going anywhere. Well, it's kind of hard to rip out J2EE from systems that people have invested millions of dollars into and are going to be around for a while. But you're talking we're talking about new development, new development that's starting now. Pretty much you got to look at uh, .net as the way to go, huh? Yeah, you do. And but both Microsoft and Sun are seeing that for new development they have to support dynamic languages, you know, mm. um, Ruby, PHP, uh, Python. Uh, Mary Jo, you think Microsoft will ever uh, embrace Ruby? <laughs> I don't know. Stranger things have happened, right? I mean, they 
they keep uh, acquiring the people who are inventing some of these more interesting languages, like Jim Huguenin. Right? Mm. Um, yeah, but nobody wants to work there. Well, <laughs> not nobody. There are people that do want to work there. There are people who want to work there, it's including just... Daryl Taft. <laughs> oh, oh. No, I enjoy covering them from yeah. afar. Right. Well, you know, for for guys like John Lamb, for example, who's done a lot with Ruby, um, what do you think? Uh, you know, he's actually made a bridge between Ruby and .NET. I, I don't see him going to Microsoft anytime soon. I mean, but, you know, then then again, he's a guy who's self-made. You know, he's he speaks, he writes, he teaches. He does all that stuff. He enjoys, the you know, the fruits of being in this business without having to be tied to a day job. You really think he's going to go to Microsoft? Did you ever think Mark Rusinovich would go to Microsoft? Yeah, that's something, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, it had to be a lot, you know, a lot of money, obviously, you know. Had to be. You know, there's another side to this, which is that influence side. Hey, you know, you're doing fine with this little language you've got and the 10,000 people that are using it. But if we put it in studio, Mm -hmm. it's going to be in 20 million people's hands. Mm. That's what I was talking about when I said earlier. Mm -hmm. People that want to make an impact got to go to Microsoft. Mm. And back to John Lamb, he might not want to join, but I'll tell you, he enjoys rubbing elbows with those guys. I saw him this week at this conference at a small uh, language event called Lang.net. And uh, John was there. Miguel de Acaza from the mono world was Mm -hmm. there. I mean, all the heavyweights were there. And they thoroughly enjoyed being in the midst of uh, the Redmond campus. Mary Jo, you agree with all of that about Java.net? Um, Got I, anything? You know, I, I, I look at .NET again, kind of look like I was talking about Xbox and Sony and, and uh, even Linux and Windows. It's like Microsoft, they come in from behind, they watch where the weaknesses are, and they and they get in there. I, I take my hat off to them about that. And they have their army of software developers. They do. You know. You guys. <laughs> not me. No, not me. No. I mean, internally. But .NET really was an innovation. I mean, it was a better way to build software. Yeah. Yep. So if you are a Microsoft developer now, where do you think you should focus to be well-positioned for the future? Mary Jo? Hmm. Um, You know, as much as I hate Web 2.0 buzzwords, um, it seems like you really got to be paying attention to the whole Ajax paradigm right now. Yeah. You know, we've heard a little bit from Microsoft on that, like their plans for Atlas, the toolkit for Ajax that they're building. Um, but I'm surprised we haven't heard more from them on that. Like, I mean, are they going to do some more stuff that's specific to taking the programming model to the web? Are there going to be new tools? Are there going to be new ways of, of kind of getting uh, – we've heard a little bit about plans to get Visual Studio out to a wider audience. But, you know, I'm, I want to hear them talk more about that because I feel like, again, they're just kind of – Resting on their laurels and saying, "Yeah, we beat Java. Who cares? You beat Java. What's next?" You know. Do you think uh, the the statement "smart clients are for the enterprise" and and Ajax is for the the rest of the world is an accurate statement? Um, I think that was probably something Microsoft was pushing more a couple of years ago until the whole Ajax thing took off, and now I I hear them. Uh, I don't, again, I don't cover this as closely as you guys do, but I hear them giving almost equal weight to smart client and, and web client. Daryl, what do you think? Yeah, they do. They give equal weight to that. Well, they give equal weight to it, but what about the, what about what people are building or, or wanting? You think maybe because Ajax is sexy and new, uh, but do you think people still really want to uh, run Windows apps in the enterprise? 
are they ready for browser-based everything? I, I think there's a mix. I, I, I do think there's a, a, a lot more interest in, you know, the Web 2.0 world, browser-based stuff. But sure, people still want to run Windows apps in the enterprise, and, and they will for s- several years from now. Yeah. You know what? I haven't still – I've written a few articles about this, but you still haven't really heard, like, to use Vista as an example, what's going to be the killer app or apps for Vista? Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like, you know, back in Windows 95 days, we heard so much about all the companies touting all these cool apps they were going to do mm. before Windows 95 came out. And it's like, where where are all these people? I mean, half of them are suing Microsoft, so they can't <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> but the other half, it's like, where, you know, guys, aren't you like excited about Vista? Where are your apps? Like, what do you got coming? Well, I think a lot of the apps are actually in industry and in, in, yeah. in businesses. I'm, I'm thinking of the medical world, for example, mm-hmm. is just going to be blown away by the stuff they can do graphically in Vista. And uh, I was a little more excited in 2003 when all of the features were going to be in Vista. <laughs> and, and now, you know, I'm still excited about the graphics and everything, but uh, there are some features that I wish they would have uh, that made the cut. I'm thinking about that app that Tim Huckabee talked about, the Scripps Institute app. Have you heard about this, Mary Jo? I think I've seen a demo of that one. Yeah, that, yeah. well, and it's it, it's sort of out in the world now. You, yeah. you, Tim's right. This time next year, we'll never want to talk about that app again. Mm. <laughs> But I mean, there you're really seeing, and it was, it's not, the app itself is pretty impressive. The whole 3D modeling of a, of a, of a protein and being able to fly through it and annotate it and so forth. I mean, that's very cool. The thing that's compelling about it is the two week development time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the realization that visualization components, which normally take a long time to build, are now intrinsic to the operating system. They, mm. Those capabilities are there. They'll just be a set of controls. I actually think it's a lousy story uh, for the consumer, for the world, for the most part, because they don't care how long it takes us to build software. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What is uh, Microsoft's most vulnerable uh, side? What's their Achilles heel right now? Daryl, you want to uh, take a stab, stab yeah, at that? Yeah, I will. I, I think, um, in my mind, it would have to be focus. They They seem to be all over the map. And, you know, rightly so, because they've become a conglomerate. But, you know, are they going to go after Google? Are they going to go after Apple with the iPod? Are they going to go after Sony? I mean, they're just jumping into so many areas. I think if they should focus a little better on, you know, one major area, it it would that's their Achilles heel. You think they're too big? Do you think they ought to split off maybe a couple of companies that don't have the Microsoft moniker that should go after some of these things? I uh, I wouldn't be the one to say that, no. No, you think they're they're okay the size Remember the are? old DOJ proposal where there was going to be an operating system company, there was going to be an office company, and there's going to be everything else? Mm-hmm. Right. That would have been the that. best thing that ever happened to them if they had done that. It would have been an interesting set of companies I'm actually thinking you're right. I'm actually thinking you're right because what it seems like they need to do now, I think, is to Get some small groups that have autonomy that don't, that, you know, that can innovate and bring things to market without having, you know, stockholders, uh, uh, you know, short sightedness right. keeping mm-hmm. them back. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Jo, do you agree with uh, Daryl? Yeah, I think, I think the focus is a problem. But if you said to me, what's their Achilles heel right now? I would say Windows. Hmm. Really? Um, hmm. I would say they have really um, suffered with this whole Vista. You know, feature loss, delay, delay, delay. 
Um, I think, you know, they've still got 90 plus percent of the desktop operating system market right now, but they're about to undergo a really major sea change at Microsoft. They've put Steven Sanofsky, who ran Office, in charge of Windows. And I'm going to be interested to see how much of the Windows team sticks around when that transition happens, because, hmm. you know, the Windows team has kind of always been used to working with Brian Valentine and, and Jim Alchin, and they've kind of been a somewhat cohesive unit, I feel like, from the outside, it seems that way. And now they're bringing in all new blood and probably new management. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who sticks and who doesn't and whether, you know, they're talking about forcing them to do more frequent Windows releases. Well, that's really going to change the character of Windows and like what, what comes out in a release, what doesn't. So I think they've really got to get their Windows client story in order because that's the bread and butter of the company. Okay. I am a big fan of Jim Alchin, and I fear him losing, leaving Microsoft because I think there's a guy, arguably the best shipper of software in the world, and certainly been at the center of Windows for a long, long time. But hasn't he been the one really architecting the sea change around Windows? He's the one who tore apart the three pillars and restructured Vista and, and really got him thinking a different way. Sanofsky, to me, seems like he's just taking over what Alchin's changed. Yeah, I don't know. That's what Microsoft says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think we'll I th wait and see. Yeah, see. I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with that team and and how they do software going forward. It's going to be very interesting to see and and how much will people you know really put stock in in uh, kind of being keeping a, a fat client at the front and center of everything. All right. Well, if that's all the commentary we have, we'd like to thank Mary Jo Foley and Daryl Taft for, uh, you know, what was a little bit disappointing. I wanted to see some blood, you know, uh. <laughs> some some insults, but uh, we didn't get there. We kept it a little too civil for my taste. <laughs> I'm always surprised at how much we agree on I things. I know. It is amazing. We should add yeah. the margaritas before the I show. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. I think you're you right. You know, this story, this whole thing really came about because of tech ed and some conversations we had there. Right. Yeah, which were much more heated, by the way. But that was after a lot of cocktails. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it was a cocktail-focused discussion, wasn't it? Well, if you have something to add to the conversation, we will be. Uh, you can go to intellectualhedonism.com, uh, the blog post where we announce this show, and leave your comments. I'm sure Mary Jo and Daryl would be happy to, uh, to uh, answer them. And uh, for all of us here at .NET Rocks, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. .NET Rocks can be found online at www.dotnetrocks.com and at msdn.microsoft.com slash dotnetrocks. .NET Rocks is edited each week by Jeff Maciolik, that's me, and Carl Franklin, who is also executive producer. All music heard on .NET Rocks, including Toy Boy, the theme song, is created and produced by Carl Franklin and Franklin Brothers Band. Carl never sleeps. .NET Rocks is produced for Franklin's Net by Plop Productions, providing professional audio and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. Plop, it's time to get your impact back. <laughs> <laughs>